Welcome into the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. Hit that intro. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome in to another episode of the Triple Play Fantasy Baseball Show. A proud member of Fantasy Points and the Fantasy Points Media Group. D-Mendy here, joined by the normal cast and crew, Marty Party, Doc, and a little cheesecake, and of course, a special guest. Marty Party first, you are traveling tomorrow. Are you excited? You have a lot of fun plans when you are overseas. Yeah, so I'll be going to Guatemala for a wedding. Um, and yeah, we have, uh, we're renting ATVs and driving around, going to a coffee plantation, going to be watching the World Cup as much as possible. We, our Airbnb is near a volcano. Like we walk outside and there's a volcano to the left. So hopefully it doesn't interrupt. Maybe the last time you see me. And for those, um, watching on YouTube, this is the first time I'm not rocking a hat yeah. for the show. So. It's trippy. It's uh, probably pretty weird for everybody and myself included, but uh, no, I'm super excited. I obviously I've never been to Guatemala, so I'll uh, I'll report back uh, next week and hopefully I'll know a little bit more Spanish. Yeah, it sounds like an awesome trip, and you, hopefully you're taking pictures, right? So I can post pictures up on the live stream next week and you like your like a nice suit, right? I yeah, I got the suit. Yep, got the suit. I'm ready to go, man. I love it. I love it. Of course, you also are joined by the doc, who's uh, let's just say he's here. Did a couple other shows earlier today. You are burning and not, you are running on fumes. How does it feel to basically doing everything tonight? You know what? Uh, I'm going to sleep very well, hopefully. This is maybe what I need, uh, cause I haven't been sleeping well. So maybe I just need to do three shows a day. I audible because I was going to say something else. And I, I, I know what you were going to say. I know, I know. I know what you were going to say. I was like, you know what? I'm going to wait because let me give it a little bit of time before I go in that direction. You but, are just obsessed with my life. <laughs> just that one aspect of your life. But we'll, we'll do that. Multiple aspects. We'll, we'll save that for another day. You also cut your hair, which I'm not happy with. That's, that's a story for another day. We also are joined by a little cheesecake who is going another, a new hairstyle himself. He is hiding mm. it from the world. But, um, you want to show everybody the, what you were so proud of here? Well, this is, uh, this is me wondering if I should fully accept the Bruce Willis phase of my life. <laughs> And just, and just accept that, uh, you know, either that or I'll be contacting, you know, maybe we can get a sponsor in here, uh, uh, that, that does hair stuff like, um, Roman or something like that. I think Roman and Hims do, do hair stuff and maybe I'll get some free shit from stuff from them <laughs> and, uh, and I'll be all good. We, we need to get ourselves some of these hair sponsors. I don't know. A, a hair sponsor for us. I don't know. I'm, my hair's thinning. Your your hair is going down. <laughs> Marty Party's hair is my hair's cool. almost out. Oh, it's yeah. beautiful. We're not the strongest hair podcast on this show. <laughs> no. But I'll tell you what's <laughs> wrong. Our guest, very, very strong. We welcome in a man as my computer freezes. We welcome in a man that knows prospects as well as Fernando Tatis Jr. knows HGH. He calls his shots with prospects like Babe Ruth calls home runs. You can catch this man on the call-up presented by Triple Play Fantasy every single week. He just drops prospect knowledge like nobody's business, brings you prospect news, evaluations, and rankings, and has his own Discord that is bumping. It is the one and only DTF, that on the farm, a.k.a. Vinny. How's it going, man? 
it's going good, guys. You know, it's awesome to be on here. I am a frequent watcher, so to be actually a part of it's pretty cool. Hey, to have you as part of the show is awesome. I, I, it's always fun with you in the comments, of course, but getting to know you over the last, what's it been, like a month of shows, roughly? Like month, month and a half? Yeah, about, yeah. Like, it, you fit right in from the start. I mean, I, I incredibly knowledgeable, like we talked about, but also just very easy to talk with and get along with. So it's nice to have you on both shows uh, at this point. And I think we're going to need your help tonight, Vinny, because this is a subject that we kind of tiptoed around because the call-up does such a good job of going into prospects. But now these guys are getting major league action or trying to get major league action this year. So I, I think you're going to be our LeBron James or you're going to be our Mike Trout for this episode because you're going to have to put everybody in their place. If any of these guys are talking about a guy and you strongly disagree, I need you in the ring and, and throw in some hands because we uh, are talking tonight, of course, with all this prospect talk about 2023 impact rookies. So these are guys that are either going to start the year with the team or we expect to hopefully get some type of action next season and hopefully be an impact for your fantasy team. And we went in depth. We looked inside the top 600 of ADP over on the NFBC for guys that might be able to contribute for your fantasy teams this season. And we got to start right at the top and we're going to go right to our superstar and Vinny to go with Corbin Carroll. Talk to us about Corbin Carroll, who right now has I believe an ADP of 63 on the NFBC. Can you tell us, is he worth that ADP? Are you over or under his steamer projections? And then talk to us just a little bit about his game. I kind of like the ADP just because of the, you know, future projection of Corbin Carroll. He is right now a contact speed guy and we're just praying for power. But if that power comes, it's he's going to be a fantasy game changer. He's going to be a Trey Turner with power, which if you get that in a player, that's an easy first round pick next year. Easy top 15 guy. Um, my only concern really with Carroll was uh, this year, he just really had a small sample size, but his strike percentage was up to 27%. And if you would have given it another week, probably been a hit 30 like, that's my only concern about him. He really hasn't had strikeout problems. So maybe it's just the adjustment period coming over from making the trip from uh, AAA to the the bigs. But, like, there's just so much to like about him. He's going to be probably the leadoff bat in Arizona. He's already got um, Dalton Varsho almost out of Arizona right now. They're They're actively trying to trade him. So he's going to be probably their opening day starter in center field. But just, it's, he's just monumentally better than all of the other rookies next year. Just, it, if I were to comp him, like so right think, now. Is there any. Oh, go ahead. No, 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 no. Go finish. Oh, he froze. Um, just if I were to comp him right now, he's Am just. I frozen? Uh, yeah, you were for a little bit. Uh, he's kind of like a Jacoby Ellsbury right now, I would say, because he's more contact speed. But when that power comes, that's when you're going to see the jump fantasy-wise to Trey Turner. Do you think that happens this season? I think it could. It could definitely happen this season because we saw him hit double-digit bombs last year in double-A, triple-A. 
if you give him another 100 and some games, I he probably does hit, you know, 18, 19, 20 bombs. So I think it's obviously a potential. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, he's obviously the number one rated uh, rookie for next year. He was in the top three prospects in most places you looked. And looks like he's a lot of promise for an Arizona Diamondbacks team that just has studs upon studs coming. Obviously, Drew Jones is down there, the number two pick from this past year. They have Alec Thomas there. They have Jordan Lawler there. They have Brandon Fat in their pitching rotation. They have Dre Jameson. They have so many guys that are just all coming up through the, the minor leagues. They're like the baby backs, right? Is that is that what the names they're getting? Like the baby backs or the uh little snakes or something, but they're yeah. they look awesome and He's going to be kind of the headline for that. Uh, and I would expect he's going to have a dynamite rookie season, but also being able to get time at the end of last season. So definitely, would you be shocked? Last question here, Vinny. Would you be shocked if he didn't win rookie of the year? Yeah, I would say I'd be shocked. There's a, there's one name that I think could give him a run for his money, but he's pretty much the clear-cut one. And plus, he has one of the best nicknames in baseball, Corbin Barrels. Like, how can you not buy into that? I like it. Now, is that a professional tease for one later that you yes. might be talking about? I love it. See, this is an accomplished Indeed podcaster is. right here, ladies and gentlemen. Then let's go. So Corbin Carroll was a stud. So maybe we don't need to talk too much more about that. As well as this next guy, Gunnar Henderson, Doc, ADP of 93 right now, the next rookie to be drafted. You see the Orioles play. I think he went to double-digit games last season. So you go and see them in person a lot. What are your thoughts about Gunnar Henderson? Can he return value on that ADP? Is there special skills he has? And what do you think overall for 2023? So I really like Gunnar Henderson enough to buy a jersey of him, but hopefully that doesn't jinx. But with all of that being said, I don't know if I feel comfortable taking him at 93. So Steamer projects him to hit 254 with 21 homers, 77 RBIs, and 10 stolen bases. I think his... His average will be a little bit better than that. I projected around 260. I don't see him hitting 21 homers. He had four home runs last year um, in, in the uh, two months that he was called up. I think it's reasonable to think of he'll maybe be in the 13 to 15 range. But I do think he'll have more stolen bases. He is His sprint speed is in the 91st percentile. Um, he has a good walk percentage for somebody his age. Uh, last year, he only hit into one double play. So I think that's going to show his ability to get on base and to leg it out. Um, and especially with the base pass being increased, uh, I could definitely see. I mean, the Orioles are an aggressive team base running. 93 is a little bit too rich for me. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of helium going around that. Um, I would love to see him go a little bit later, and I'd be happy to be wrong, but I don't think I can take him that early. Uh, there's a lot of sexual talk going on in our comments. I think you brought that with your Gunnar Henderson talk, Doc. Ooh, I mean, I'm just there for it. I'm girls 69 XYZ. So Gunnar Henderson going inside the top 100, he has a very well-rounded profile. And I don't know how valuable stills are going to be this year with the bigger bags and the expected rise in stolen bases to what we've seen in the minors. But he plays at uh, multi-positions. I think he's going to qualify for a couple different positions next year, if I'm not mistaken. And he's going to be a part of a lineup that's expected to be not just a contending team, but a, a lineup that's starting to look a lot better. Vinny, I'm curious. I'm going to probably go to you a lot tonight, Vinny, because this is your this is your wheelhouse. 
Do you agree with Doc on the, the 93 being a little too high or do you like it? Yeah, I agree with it just because I don't know if he actually does similar to Corbin Carroll. I don't know if he gets into that power. Like he has very good contact skills, very good speed. The strikeouts aren't that much of a concern. He walks. I think his the tool that unlocks his his max potential for fantasy is going to be that power. He'll probably be there every day shortstop next year unless they go out and sign Correa or some crazy move. But yeah, just 93 is a little high for me because I don't think he finishes close to that. That's fair. And I think at that point, you're going to find people that take him there, people that really believe in him. And if you don't, if you're having questions about him, then that might not be the time to take him. So I fully respect that. But Doc, there's another Baltimore Oriole that maybe you are interested in taking that goes right after Gunnar Henderson. That's Grayson Rodriguez, who goes, he's the only other player, the only other rookie that goes inside the top 200 of ADP at pick 196. Now, that's a huge, that's almost at 100 pick difference between these two Baltimore Orioles. We would expect right now Grayson Rodriguez to get a shot in that Orioles rotation to start the year. What do you think about Grayson Rodriguez going just inside the top 200? You know, what's interesting is when you see the pitchers that are going around him, all of them have question marks and for different reasons. So some of the pitchers, Brady Singer, Lance McCullers, Charlie Morton, whether it be injury, whether it be age, whether it's things we haven't seen sustainable for a long period of time. And for Grayson Rodriguez, I think the question mark is, does he begin the season with the Orioles? And I think coming and and I want to hear your guys' opinion on this. They were a lot better than people expected them to. Mm-hmm. And I, I think the rebuild came quicker, but I don't think they want to rush that. And I think especially how he had, he strained his lat last season after not pitching a lot after that. I think they want to ease him in. Um, 196 is a little, a little bit rich for me. And, and I feel bad saying this as an Orioles fan. I mean, he's never thrown a hundred innings, um, in an entire season across any level. And Steamer's projecting him for 129 innings. I just don't see that. Um, but in terms of the numbers they're giving him an 8-8, eight and 3-8-1 eight, ERA, a 1.23 whip, I think it's pretty accurate. I don't think he pitches as many innings, but I think the ERA and whip are accurate. I mean, he has a great K percentage. He has a good pitch mix with a mid-90s fastball, a slider in the 80s, um, really good curveball. But I just, I can't do it. I can't do it. Vinny, what do you think? Grayson is probably one of the best prep pitching prospects that we've seen in a couple of years. There's another one we're going to talk about later who is really, really fighting him for best pitcher in minor league baseball. Oh, oh I know who you're talking about. I love him. And, uh, yeah, he he would have definitely got the call up last year, but he had the lat strain and was sidelined, took like a month off. Came back to AAA and didn't even miss a beat. So I, I really think there's a big potential that he breaks camp this year, unless they go out and sign, you know, a free agent pitcher. But I, he, I would bet on him. Yes. Yeah. So I like the ADP just because the upside could definitely be a top 15 starting pitcher. He's one of those guys that you could potentially see get hyped this year, kind of like a Spencer Strider or like a Dylan Cease. He's like that type of talent. So I kind of like that. The the uh, one thing I think I think they do one more signing like they did with a Kyle Gibson like a one year uh where they they just kind of have a veteran that will will do that. I do think he gets brought up this year and I think they want to have him be the third or fourth so he doesn't have to go against other teams aces also and put a little less pressure on him. 
Vinny, can you read the com our private chat and tell me if I'm right? I yeah, also wanted right. to I also wanted to talk about how um Grayson was pretty ticked off he did not get the call up last season. I remember he uh, he he publicly expressed displeasure at the fact that he didn't wasn't in the rotation last season in Baltimore. I do think that his lack of a better word feelings are going to be taken into consideration when it comes to the rotation. You got to think barring injury or being absolutely catastrophically bad in spring training that I mean it's not like the Orioles are rich in pitching and he's one of the best pitching prospects in baseball. You got to think the rookie of the year fact of, of getting the extra draft pick in fact he would have probably been called up last year if not for the injury and then you had the fact the Orioles now look like they're trying to contend why would they not start him out in the rotation I feel like he's got to be a lock barring injury or just pooping the bed in spring training at this point um, yeah, one thing I do want to add though is that that's going to be one of the most interesting you know storylines to follow this spring training it's going to be Grayson Rodriguez and DL Hall battling for a rotation spot well, correct me if I'm wrong, Vinny. Everywhere I've been hearing and reading, the Orioles seem like they're very much ready to take DL Hall and put him in the bullpen. Like it, it, everything I've been listening to says they're like, let's put him in two to three innings, just one time through the order, be like a a, a guy that kind of just shuts down the other team through three innings because they're really worried about just his overall wildness and just being able to consistently command the strike zone, and that they think that just the chances of him being an effective starter. It sounds like. Not they're pessimistic, but it sounds like they're kind of one foot in, one foot out on him being a starter. You think that's accurate? I could definitely see that, but I, if we're talking upside with DL Hall, DL Hall is probably a a two three starting pitcher at his, you know, his max potential. I could like in the bullpen, I could see them running out of there, but I could definitely see them running him out the spring training as a starter. This might be his last you know, his last showcase as a starting pitcher this spring training, because he definitely has the tools to be a, a an elite to an above average relief pitcher. Yeah. And I mean, with DL Hall at this point, the risk isn't that bad. You're getting him at pick 574. So if you're looking for a guy that potentially could be one of the Orioles best starters on their staff or someone that could be the potential filling out a closer, something happens to uh, Felix Bautista, or someone that just has great ratios, which I expect him to get a lot of strikeouts. I think he's a great investment at pick 574. There's almost no risk there at that point. Then let's go from all these Orioles, because there's a, a lot of them. Let's go to our next guy. Let's go to Josh Young, who actually got some time in the big leagues last year. Probably wouldn't have been rookie eligible if he hadn't gotten hurt, Marty. And yeah. people, are, I feel like, are very split on what to expect from Josh Young next year. We were talking about his projections before the show. and I'm curious what your thoughts are in terms of, do you think the projections are a little high? Do you find yourself drafting some Josh Young this year? Yeah, so Josh Young, 24-year-old, uh, drafted eighth overall in 2019. So, you know, uh, top 10 pick. So he has a lot of expectations. Last year, um, for his uh, cup of coffee, you know what I'm saying, Art? Um, he had 102 plate appearances with nine runs, five homers in those 102 plate appearances. Uh, 14 RBIs and uh, two stolen bases. He slashed 204, 235, 418. He's going to be a starter right out of the gate. He's going to be the third baseman for the Rangers. And uh, right now, roster resource has him penciled in as sixth in the order. So uh, looking at a steamer projection. So uh, in 400, they have him for 498 plate appearances. So they believe he's going to be healthy. 
He slashed, uh, they have him slashing 237, 292, 423 with 20 home runs, 54 runs, 60 RBI, and four, uh, five stolen bases. So, um, I think that the, when we were talking about the home runs, I, looking in, he had those 98 plate appearances last year and he hit five home runs. I mean, if, we, if he gets 500 plate appearances, I think 20 home runs is possible. And I think his uh, batting average will be closer to 250. So for his first full season, uh, you know, I, I am in on his uh, projections. I think they're they're right on there. Even a little bit, I, I would give him a little increase in uh, batting average. Not too much, though. I don't think it's going to go over 250. And looking at his ADP, so his ADP is around 211. He's the 17th third baseman off the board, and he's sandwiched in between uh, Brandon Drury and Ryan McMahon. Now, looking at his ADP, I'm okay with it. Uh, third base is really shallow. So, you know, I think he would, he's obviously, you know, better for you to be like your backup third baseman or, or a possible, um, you know, corner infielder. If I'm, if I'm sitting there between him and Ryan McMahon, you know, I'm going to go young. I, I'm going to go with him just because of the, uh, the potential upside. If you're in, in any type of like overall component, um, you know, I would go young regardless. If you're being very conservative in like a larger home league, I guess you could go McMahon, but I don't, I don't see the fun in that. You know, fantasy baseball is supposed to be a little fun there. Um, but yeah, late, late power at third. I believe he's going to work on his, uh, he'll, he'll get his OVP. It'll be a lot higher um, than it was last year. And uh, he's still working on a strikeout. So I, I think it's, uh, for where he's at, I think he's a good, he's a good buy. Yeah, I think people will have to be ready for him to potentially bounce back next year with the obviously injury hampering him. He struck out way more than he ever had yep. in the minor league. So that's a huge thing. And hopefully that's just more because of the injury. But again, after pick 200, if you've been sitting on third base, he's kind of that take that chance on him at that point. And you could maybe be someone that you plug in there and, and just does the job for you. But Aura could go incredibly bad. But he's definitely, I don't think at this point people are, I haven't heard anywhere people are actively trying to get him more kind of like, he's there, I'll take him. Um, yeah, you need to take care yeah. of third base early in your drafts. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and, and go for the, one of those top five guys. And then, you know, he'll be, he'll be there waiting for you, you know, late in the later rounds. A corner infielder or bench bat at this point yep. right now. I don't think anybody's confident about him being anything huge for fantasy this year. Maybe just a solid contributor. But Josh Young, it plays a premium position. And he still has a lot of prospect pedigree, and he's somebody that's going to get a lot of playing time for the Texas Rangers that have a team that looks like they're really starting to come together. Good lineup, yeah. So it's it's a exciting place to be for Josh Young. Next player we'll talk about here is Tristan Casas, who is a player that I would say is one of the more well known players in the prospect world and in the regular MLB world, going around pick two thirty nine right now. Now, Tristan Casas, not going to get a lot of speed from him. Only 10 stolen bases in four seasons combined between minor leagues and major leagues. So it's, it's not somebody that you can expect that from him. But when it comes to power, that's a different story. This is somebody that I think when everything clicks for him, he could have 35 to 40 home runs, somewhere in that range. One of the things that sticks out to him is for someone that's that powerful, he's someone that actually can walk a really good amount. Now, I know it's a small sample size last year, 27 games, but he had a 20% base on ball percentage. But if you want to look just in the minor leagues in general, 14.5% AAA in 72 games also earlier this year. He played in this uh, CPX 17.6% walk rate there. 
And then also just in AAA in, in 2021 had a 19% walk rate. So this is a guy that's walking double digit clip, literally every single stop he's made in the minor leagues. And on top of that, if you look just at his K rate ever since 2021, it's only pretty much hovered around anywhere from 19 to 24%. And even in the big leagues, when he was still struggling, hitting under 200 at 197, he still was striking out only 24.2% of the time. So if someone is struggling that much, it's still only striking out 24% of the time with that type of power potential. I'm very intrigued in him. And then you look at the competition. You have, uh, you have, uh, what's it called? Eric Hosmer there, which, uh, fun fact, they went to the same high school, just not at the same time. But Eric Hosmer, they're saying either going to be kind of like a mentor to him or they might shop him. You have, uh, goodness gracious, I can't even remember his name at this point. Bobby Dahlback. Bobby Dahlback is there. And he's been one of the hottest names being talked about and being traded. I don't think he's on this team when the season starts with how much I've seen his name flying around. They're going to get rid of the competition for him. Eric Hosmer, again, is also uh, basically on a league minimum deal because the Padres are paying his entire salary. So it's not like the Red Sox are tied to keeping him. So I do think this is all set up for Bobby Dahlbeck to have a full season's worth of plate appearances this year. Right now, Steamer projects him to have 21 home runs 65 RBIs, three stolen bases, while walking 13% of the time, striking out 22% of the time. I think that's extremely valuable. And they only have him playing in 128 games. So it's not like they're projecting him to play most of the season. There's still a good chunk there that he's not playing. So if you're getting him at this point, what did I say, 239? And first base is something that if you don't get the guys early, it's kind of a wasteland after that. I love waiting on Tristan Costas here. I think he's a great value for where he's going. And I think he could be one of those guys that come February, he is going inside the top 200 and you have to spend more of a pick to get him. But Tristan Casas, there you go. And Vinny, again, if, if there's anything you agree, just you always can hop into. I don't feel like you have to wait to talk or whatever because you're our guy. Yeah, Casas is very interesting just because if it does come down to Bobby Dahlbeck keeping him off of the major league roster, I Casas is just way better than Dahlbeck. Um, it's interesting because I think with Casas, him and Sedane Raffaella, their other big prospect who plays shortstop outfield, those two are going to be like the two big guys that are going to start turning the culture around in mm-hmm. Boston. So I don't think there's a good chance that he comes into spring training and shows enough to kick Bobby Dahl back to the bench. Like there's that possibility. As we get closer to spring training, I do think we see his ADP go up just mm-hmm. because other people do see the, pos- the possibility of him breaking camp. But you put that power at, you know, with the pesky pull and all of that, it's going to be unreal. Bobby Bobby Dahlback is going to be benched. It's going to be Tristan Casas season all day, every day. This is your chance right now if you're doing drafts. Enjoy that 239 ADP because that thing only going up, I think, at this point. Let's go to the next player here. Has Let's he hear from our been Tristan House yet. Like Casa being House in Spanish. Like, can we can can we can we come up with the nickname for him? Make it official. I think you can't call him Tristan House. You have to call him like the House or uh, something. Tristan that- Houses. I don't know. We'll we'll have to we'll have to workshop. I like where you're headed. Well, let's workshop. Okay, thank you. This has been on my mind for a while. <laughs> this is why you're not on the call up because <laughs> going a whole different direction. Yeah, and this is why you're not on our basketball show. Yeah, because you're scared. 
Logan O'Hoppy is the next player we're talking about. Is it Logan O'Hoppy, Logan O'Hop? I've heard like different versions of it. Does anybody know what his actual, how to pronounce it? We had Logan the same base- too. <laughs> we did. This week. I ba- baseball oh, reference says O'Hoppy on base, on B-Ref. Okay. So I'm, o- I'm o- happy to talk about O'Hoppy then. Logan O'Hoppy, the wonderful uh, Irish catcher. Can you do it like that? The entire analysis art? Go ahead. I could. By the way, he's going, going ADP. ADP is for Logan O'Hoppy, 257. Yeah, 257. I, I think Logan O'Hoppy, there's a few questions. Chances we see him in the bigs. He's, he's projected to be their starting catcher next season. They still have Max Stassi there currently, but the only other catcher that they have, potential catcher on the roster is Matt Tice, who is more of like a, he's all, he's a second catcher. He caught 14 games and also played some infield and outfield. Uh, but you look at what uh, what uh, Steamer has him projected at, uh, 267 plate appearances, 246 with 11 home runs and 34-34 runs in RBIs. That's pretty modest production for a catcher. However, I I actually would guess that he would go under that because Ohapi had a fantastic 2022. He played double A the whole time, though. 26 home runs, hitting uh, hitting. Oh gosh, 102 for 360, 270, 280, something like that. 72 runs, 78 RBIs, but it's double A. He's never really seen. He had a few, had a short cup of coffee in the big leagues towards the end of the season. And uh, that's his only, his only uh, exposure to the bigs. So I do think that there's going to be a, fa- a really sharp learning curve for him when he comes up. And I wonder if, uh, if his approach is going to have to be uh, changed when he, after he gets up. He likes to pull the rate. He has a very high pull rate. He likes to pull the ball. He also has a really high fly ball rate. See, so I think Ohapi's going to actually, he might pass that 11 home runs because he's, he's kind of a home run selling out for home run type of style. But, uh, I think the batting average might be, uh, might be a lot lower than that 246. Because of that, because I see that there could be some growing pains for Ohapi, I don't think he's a good pick at his ADP at 257. You look, there's Gabriel Moreno and Bo Naylor as prospects behind him, drafted behind him. We also got Eric Hasse, Gary Sanchez, Joey Bart, a lot of guys who are more coming into their own as, as, as major leaguers, you know, Elias Diaz, Nick Fortes going after him as well. So as a second catcher, I think Ohapi's sort of a, I think it's kind of a reach. It's a, it's a reach for potential, but it's also potential that's, you know, I, I'm not 100% sure it's going to get there. But he does have pop, and I think that, that he will eventually be a, a plus bat at the catcher position. I just question whether or not it's going to be next season. Would you guys rather have Logan Ohapi or Christian Vasquez as your catcher, too, this year? I'd say Ohapi. I'm, I'm going Vasquez. You think? They Where go back Vasquez to back. Just get to? They go. Uh, Vasquez just signed with wins. Minnesota. He just signed with Minnesota. Yeah. yeah. But the Angels have a a very trendy idea of they like to they like their for their prospects to skip AAA. Seeing Ohopi getting the call up last year from AA, I think that shows that they are very confident in him as a backup catcher this year or to potentially take mm-hmm. over from that sassy. I do question the, uh, the production of the bat. I do think he does get more power, but I don't know if he hits above like two sixty. 
Like he has good BABIP numbers. Mm. He has good WRC plus, but it's going to be a toss up if he does get the everyday role. We probably will see him uh, struggle early, yeah. but he could be that second half, you know, breakout prospect. He doesn't strike out a lot. Uh, percentages. Steamer has him predicted for 267 plate appearances, more or less, you think? I think it's more. Yeah, I definitely think it's more. Like I think it's less. I think it's less. I don't think he's going to be getting any, any DH at bats. Like, he's not going to be able to fill that, like, with DH. But it takes one Max Stassi injury. Like, Max Stassi seems like he gets hurt every single year at this point. And it takes one Max Stassi injury where he's going to be the primary catcher. And if he does decently well, why would they not keep him there? Especially with the fact that he was one of their better prospects. He was in the Brandon Marsh trade. I'm not mistaken, the Brandon Marsh trade. So, yeah. like, they obviously liked him enough to want to trade for him. So why would they not give him the opportunity to see if they're, he's their catcher of the future? I think, just my opinion, I think he's at the point where he was in the majors last year, so he got a taste. He's going to be at worst be their catcher too, but I could see easily him getting the chance to accumulate plate appearances where he could be a back-end catcher one. And with that sub 20% strikeout rate, why couldn't he be someone like a Kyber Ruiz in terms of like, hey, maybe he's not great, but as your catcher too, like he's solid. He's not hurting you by any means. Making contact and, and putting balls in play. So I could see both sides of it. I think at this point, you probably need to see your catcher situation to decide if you want to invest. So defensively, do we think he's, he's pretty good defensively, like, isn't he, Vinny? He's solid. That's going to be the most important thing. You know, they're not going to want to, I mean, the Angels need to win now. You know, so they're not going to want to screw around yeah, with the, they, you know, yeah, bad catcher. He's very good at receiving and he does have an above average arm. So it, there's a potential he takes over the job by like May. It's definitely in the, in the cards. Like, he has the upside. Yeah. I like Let's Logan also not to act like the Angels are going to be a good team because they're yeah, not. That is also true. <laughs> which so would potentially open a spot for him. Exactly. I like it. Let's go to the next player here, Doc. This will be a less controversial player because he's a absolute stone-cold stud. He is also the reason why the St. Louis Cardinals did not get Juan Soto because they would not part with this man, Jordan Walker. The third baseman who is actually going to be moving, I believe, to left field uh, because he's not replacing Nolan Arenado at third base. So right. let's talk talk about Jordan Walker. And obviously, again, stud in the minor leagues. Or is he going to be a stud in the big leagues this season? I do think he is. Um, at 259, I'm in. I'm in. Uh, contrarian to what I've said about the Orioles in the past. Um, this is a guy, he's 20 years old, and he's 6'5", 220. You can't teach a body like that. And just think he's probably not done developing it yet. But that's enough talking about his body now. So Steamer projects him for 257, 317, 424, 12 homers, 47 RBIs, 7 stolen bases. The 7 stolen bases is interesting considering he had 22 in the minors last year in 119 games. I think that's going to depend on how many games he gets called up for. Um but he's somebody, I mean, he's going to do everything well. He's good average in the minors, 374, 292, 306. Um, and that's across three levels with a minimum of 99 at bats. I think the biggest thing for him is where are they going to put him? 
Brendan Donovan is right now in the majors. Tommy Edmond, as you mentioned, Arenado is not leaving third. Juan Yepes, Nolan Gorman, DeYoung is still on the team. They signed a veteran like Corey Dickerson last year. I know he's a free agent, but you wouldn't expect them to sign him with all the bodies they have there. Mason Wynn is also 20 years old and is the number two prospect in the system. That's more my caveat with him is just there are so many players that seem like they're blocking him. But at 259, I think that's a good ADP. We talked about this on the call, I believe. Correct me if I'm, mis- if I'm swapping shows here. We didn't we say that we thought Nolan Gorman would be traded? I don't think I was on that episode. So you guys may have. We we said it here for the dynasty one. Oh, that's what it was. Okay, I thought I perhaps it was the call for the dynasty. I I don't think Nolan Gorman's on the team long term. I think that they, I just I he, if something in my gut says that's who they're going to move first, and I don't see. I mean, I, you know, if you read up on Jordan Walker, they're trying him at all three outfield spots, so they're trying to get his bat in the lineup. He's he's a different type of prospect than all the other guys you name. Jordan Walker has been somebody that's been talked about for the last couple of years is just and he's really kind of excelled to the point now where Vinny would it be a shock if he doesn't start the year with the team not really but I will say there that this week where well, there was a little foreshadowing of his future with the trade with uh you know the rumors with Sean Murphy the Cardinals tried very hard to get rid of Dylan Carlson but they mm. but the Oakland Athletics did not want him so if it comes down to Dylan Carlson or Jordan Walker, I think you might see Jordan Walker take him over for left field or even see him move in for, you know, a bullpen arm or something because they obviously are all out on Dylan Carlson. And with Nolan Gorman, I don't think they trade him just because of the potential and power you're going to get from a second baseman. Like, you're going to take a bump in average, but Nolan Gorman could easily hit 25 home runs. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think, I don't see them getting rid of him. They, they've held him this long. I think they're going to, they're going to ride the, they're going to ride the train with him. We talked about this before. Like, the, they have such good hitting and their pitching is so depleted. I'd love to see them trade arms, but you know, it's bad if, if the A's don't want you. Yes. <laughs> it is really bad. Yeah. Cause they were asking for Lars Newtbar and like other caliber, you know, other caliber of outfielders. That's, that's why I think he there's a potential he does break camp this year, but more than likely he'll probably be a, a an early May call up, maybe June. But we could see him this year very early if he just comes out to a hot start in either spring training or AAA this year. What, what's the amount of games or at bats someone has to have for them to not have rookie eligibility? Oh, that's a good question. Because um, I know I know they changed it after the whole. I want to say it's Ryan. like a. I want to say it's like a hundred and twenty. Yeah. It's it's around there, but I don't, this is one of the weird cases where I don't think they were going to care about eligibility and they're going to care about production because they're going to have a decent chance to win this year because the NL Central's, you know, up in smoke. Who's going to take it? So Vinny, let me ask you this. Let's say he doesn't start the year. Let's Let's say he doesn't start the year on the roster, but the Cardinals are leading the NL Central and they don't need him. Do you think they bring him up just to have a luxury of riches? Or do you think when there's an injury or they trade someone else, that's when they would bring him up, assuming they start out the season well? I think that's a that's a good question because I guarantee you the first injury in the outfield, he's going to be up. It's either going to be him or Alec Burleson. It's going to come down to them too. But if they're doing good, I feel like 
they sh- they would call him up just to be a part of a winning atmosphere, just for him to get the experience with all of the the vets on the team, because he's going to be the next leader of that team once he's up. He's their future. He's putting all of the he's their chips. He's their chips for the future, and I feel like he they would call him up. So all right. when, uh, Tyler O'Neill eventually, when he definitely gets hurt at some point. Yeah, only a matter of time, honestly. Yeah. All right, Doc, give us your last guy. We've talked about this guy a lot, so we don't have to go too much in depth with him. We've Hunter Brown has been somebody we've been touting since the season off season began. So just give us a quick Cliff Notes version because we have a lot more guys we got to get to tonight. Yeah, Hunter Brown at two seventy is a steal. Um, I think it's going to be the Christian Javier thing where starts out in the bullpen, but is just so good that. He makes his way into the rotation. Steamer has him throwing 100 innings, which I don't understand considering he threw 106 last year in AAA and then an additional 20 in the majors. I, I think probably the one stat we haven't talked about, he didn't give up a home run in 20.1 innings in uh, the MLB and 0.42 home runs per nine in uh, uh, minor league ball. He's going to be a stud. David, you and I have talked him up a lot. There's not really much to say. Go back and listen to previous episodes because David and I fight over him. Yeah, we really do. Hunter Brown is a staple of our shows recently, and I know Vinny likes him too. Uh, going around 270 right now is another thing I would not be shocked. And I don't think Luis Garcia is long for the rotation because the Astros didn't really trust him in the playoffs down the stretch either. So if there's a log jam, I could see uh, Luis Garcia being the first one to get bumped to the bullpen. I'll also put a large amount of money that Lance McCullers doesn't stay healthy the entire year. They also lost Justin Verlander, which was one of their guaranteed arms. So there's plenty of paths for Hunter Brown to get opportunities. And another thing I will say is that they are the Astros in general are very active to get an outfielder, a young outfielder. So I think you could see one of these pitchers in a deal for a young outfielder because I know they're very deep into talks for Dalton Varsho from the Diamondbacks, and they would mm. be one of the teams to like uh, Luis Garcia or Jose Urquidy, like one of those two guys, and then that's going to open up a spot for Hunter Brown. So I think they're trying to give him a spot. God, we got to do more drafts now because Hunter Brown's ADP is going to go up. Yeah, oh, through the roof. Goodness gracious. Okay, next guy. Then let's uh, talk about Ezekiel Tovar, Marty, who right now is falling in lines of great shortstops, Troy Tolowitzki. And Trevor Story, now it's Ezekiel Tovar taking over shortstop for the Colorado Rockies, and he's expected to break camp with the team in terms of at least what people earlier are saying. What can we expect from Tovar in 2023? Yeah, so the 21-year-old, he's expected to be the starting shortstop for the Rockies. So he's currently projected to be ninth in the lineup that he could easily move up with how poor that lineup is. Uh, defensively, he's their best prospect by far. So, um, and why that's important for fantasy is that he's going to be there. He's going to get the plate appearances. They're going to, they're going to need him at shortstop as much as possible. Uh, last year, he did come up briefly. He had 35 plate appearances. He slashed 212, 257, 333 with only one home run, two RBIs, two runs, no stolen bases. Now, when we hop down to his, um, his projections from Steamer. So Steamer has him going pretty much a full season, 439 plate appearances, a 280 average. So they're high on his average, 280 average, 327 OBP with a 464 slug, 15 home runs, 57 runs, 57 RBI, and 11 stolen bases. So, um, I mean, you got to love the I mean, 15 home runs and 11 stolen bases. That will play especially for where he's currently going on for his ADP. His ADP is around 273. 
He's the 25th shortstop off the board. So I do like him for his spot, especially if you have him as like 15 team league as your middle infielder. I think you could do worse there. But I want to ask you guys this because this guy is right next to him. El- Ed Alberto Mondesin now has an ADP of 278. So is he going, he's going a couple uh, slots behind him. Who would you rather have for next year? Mondesi or Tovar? Tovar. Tovar, easy. Tovar? Oh, you guys are boring. Come on. (laughs) Come on. Wait, wait, wait. Boring? Marty, you took Patrick Corbin in our best ball draft? In the 30th round. Put some context on this. Jesus. 29th round. So okay, the 29th round. That's true. Yes, and that's so league. bad. I thought you knew baseball. I actually love the pick in a best okay, ball we, format. I, yeah, the, I can go into this for too long. Besides, uh, uh, in that league, you are up to draft. And no, Carlos, I just drafted, but I, I just needed to to blast you live. Okay, on we are we are 45 minutes in. Patrick Corbin talks going to turn everybody off from the show. Okay, so. I don't blame. Uh, yeah, so, um, yeah, so I do like, uh, Tovar's, um, his ADP, but honestly, I would be, I might, I might, uh, do some Mondesi at that current time. Um, but yeah, so, um, yeah, that, that's about it. That's enough on Tovar. Tovar is exciting. He's somebody that I think was one of the biggest staples of the call up last season on our show mm-hmm. and just talk about him a lot. Obviously, a lot of great skills there. And if he's getting everyday playing time for the Rockies in that ballpark, it's very tempting at that ADP. What do you think, Vinny? Yeah, I like him better than Mondesi. Like, if we're going between him and Mondesi, I would rather have the player who's probably not going to spend most of the year on the DL. <laughs> so boring, Vinny. But <laughs> he has above average power, and you pair him at Coors Field, I like that a lot. And then he kind of, it'll be the deciding factor on uh, if he can keep his K percentage under 30%. But he could definitely have a solid season with, you know, a 275 average with maybe 15 to 20 bombs. Maybe you get, I don't know, 15 stolen bases from him. Like, I'll take that over Mondesi every day of the week. Yeah, I agree with you. Then let's move on, since we're all in agreement here, to the next player whose name's been brought up so much this offseason. It's not a mystery anymore. Matt Money Mervis, Mash Mervis, Never Nervous Mervis. Anybody can stop me at any time. Matt Mervis is the guy who his ADP has crept up, and now he's inside the top 300. And if we hear he gets a job with the Cubs for opening day, that ADP is going to skyrocket. Elsie, you are the Cubs fan on this show. Are we going to temper our expectations, or are you going to shoot them through mm-hmm. the roof at this point? I think we need to tamper our expectations just a little bit. Mervis is currently not on the 40-man roster. I think if Mervis doesn't show out at spring training a little bit, he's going to get a little bit more time seasoning in, in AAA. He, he didn't spend the whole season last year. That amazing season was a three-level season for him. Now, he's not young. He's 24. He came out of college, just drafted in 2020. Not drafted, actually. 2020, he was not drafted because they only had a five-round draft. But he's only been in the system since 2020. And last season was really his good season in the minor leagues. But uh, it was a great season. And he continued that in the Arizona Fall League. Now, there's no one blocking his path in Chicago. Alfonso Rivas, who's who might be the starter, he's not a major league starter. 
Carter. Patrick Wisdom might be our space. We all know who Patrick Wisdom is, and he. So Mervis is is you know the the new first baseman of the future for the Cubs, but we have to remember that they they they're not just because uh, just because they don't have like a great option up there right now. If he's not ready, he's not going to come up. I think there's a pretty darn good chance. I'm going to put it at 99% chance. There's a small chance he doesn't come up this season, and that would only be if he was does not follow up. Pretty darn good chance he comes up. But I do think that his steamer projections um, of 420 plate appearances with 20 home, home runs, I think that's a strong projection for him. That all being said, um, it's strong as in like uh, we might have to like uh, temper a little bit less than that. He said I do like his draft price at 284 because behind him, if you start looking after him, you got Jared Walsh, uh, Miguel Vargas, Luke Voigt, Isak Paredes at first base. I just don't like those. Out. So I think that it potential that this tested boom at that is. And when you, I mean, he definitely has power and he's got a pretty good batting average as well. So I think, you know, Potomac, Maryland's own Matt Mervis. Is uh is is a is a pretty good that's a pretty good price for him. All right, we did see him in first pitch Arizona, and he was mashing balls at the home run derby. He looks like the real deal down there. Um, so Matt Mervis, somebody that Elsie does believe in, could uh be someone great long term here. The next player, Bo Naylor, for the uh, Cleveland Guardians catcher, somebody that. If you had asked me a couple days ago when I thought they were going to get Sean Murphy, I would have told you I'm probably out on him this year. But with Sean Murphy going to the Atlanta Braves, right now the catchers ahead of him with Cleveland are Mike Zunino, who hit under 200 again last season, but nearly not the same type of power, and Austin Hedges, who's legit just a defensive catcher at this point. I think if the Guardians are looking for some offense from the catcher position, they'll look internally to Bo Naylor, who did only have Five games played at the major league level last year. Um, not great numbers in those five games, but if you look at it in AAA, did walk almost 13% of the time, hit 15 home runs with 47 RBIs and nine stolen bases. He's actually very athletic for a catcher, somebody that I don't think actually sticks at catcher long term. Had 30 stolen bases between 2021 and 2022. So if he comes up and he's catching and he's going to give you double digit stolen bases, that is definitely going to play. Uh, he's got some power. Uh, the strikeouts, I think, is going to be something at first is going to be a problem. 62.5% in the five games last year, which obviously it's not going to be that high. But I wouldn't be shocked to see him get in the high 20s or low 30s potentially to start out when he gets more plate appearances that drastically being able to go down. But he's athletic. He's got power. He's going to be in a good lineup. And the competition ahead of him isn't great. So if you're looking late for a catcher too, He's somebody that I'm actually not not afraid of taking at this point because, again, you're getting somebody just outside the top or just uh, yeah, just inside the top 300 that could end up giving you back-end catcher one value if everything plays out right. Uh, if, if, again, if you don't get like the Logan O'Hoppies, you don't get the Christian Vasquez's, draft somebody that you know is going to get plate appearances and then stash him as your third catcher. And if he comes up, 
I think he's going to be someone that's very useful for you here. The next player, though, I think is somebody that you have to make sure you draft. Miguel Vargas is the truth. Miguel Vargas for the Los Angeles Dodgers is the real deal. Did not get a fair shake last year with the Dodgers. Did nothing to not stay at the big league level, but they had so much talent. They just didn't give him opportunities. Miguel Vargas did nothing but produce in AAA last year. Struck out 14.6% of the time, walked 13.7% of the time, had 17 home runs, 82 RBIs, scored 100 runs, also gave you 16 stolen bases. This guy has nothing left to prove. By the way, he also hit over 300, had over 400 OBP and a 500 slug. The 345 line is magical. Miguel Vargas, with Justin Turner hopefully not coming back, is going to have a chance to be able to get some playing time, hopefully at third base. Right now he's listed at first base on the NFBC. But Miguel Vargas, I don't think he's someone who's going to hit you 30 home runs, but this is a guy that could hit you 20, 25 home runs, give you a, a 260, 270 batting average next year, maybe still double-digit bases like 10, 11 steals, and just be a very steady presence in an amazing lineup. And you're getting him after pick 300. Like This is, to me, is one of the best late values in the draft. And Miguel Vargas, if you hear he's going and break camp with the team, it can help you one of those guys that ADP looks drastically different from now in February. So if you miss out on first base or a corner infielder, Miguel Vargas is a great target to get after pick 300. He'll be a big part of this Los Angeles Dodgers lineup next year that's going to have a lot of new faces. All right. Let's go from then to Francisco Alvarez, another catcher, but very high prospect pedigree and expected to be part of a contending New York Mets lineup here, LC, going at pick 453. Francisco Alvarez, what should we do with him? Well, um, I'm going to lean on uh, what our boy Schwebsy said last week. I, I and I agree with him that uh, Alvarez's best spot to playing time in the 2023 season is at the DH position. Currently, mm-hmm. uh, James McCann and Tomas Nido are both catchers on for the Mets, and uh, Daniel Voba is the uh, is the um, the current DH against righties, and perhaps you could say Darren Ruff would be the lefty DH. I think it's a it'd be great to have Alvarez DH to start the season. I do think it is. It is a stretch. He's only going to be 21 on opening day. Um, I do think that well, there's a 100% chance that he's going to be called up. And, uh, but the, the steamer projection of 285 plate appearances, I do think we're going to be looking for under that. Uh, he has power. He hits the ball very hard with a, with a good launch angle. So I think he's going to get his home runs, but I do think he's worth his draft price at 453. It is as a third catcher and like a draft and hold because. When he comes up, they're not going to bring him up to to sit him on the bench. They're going to bring him up to play him. I'm just not 100% sure that's going to be on opening day. So I would not draft him as a second catcher in a two-catcher league. I would draft him as a third catcher in like a drafting league. Would you guys rather have Alvarez or would you rather have Bo Naylor this year as your kind of catcher you're waiting on to see if they can help you? Alvarez for me. Alvarez. Alvarez. LC. Yeah, I think so as well. I mean, you're getting him. I think Alvarez as well. Picks later. Yeah, the only, ar- the only argument between those two is that I could see Bo Naylor eventually becoming an outfielder, kind of like a Dalton Varsho type of, you know, uh, 
ascension, but if we're going on just pure offensive prowess right now, I'm, I'd go Alvarez. All right. Again, another great value, and you're getting him over 100 picks later there. So next player, we're going to talk about Oscar Colas. And Oscar Colas, if you don't know, now you know. Someone that could break camp with the Chicago White Sox and has a lot of hype around him to a team that's going to be ready to have World Series aspiration again next year. Vinny, Oscar Colas, the outfielder for the White Sox, what should we know? Well, Colas is, as of right now, he is the right fielder. There's no one else there unless they really want Eloy Jimenez to get hurt again. But I, I do think we see Eloy become a DH this year. Um, the bat is unreal. It's a good blend of contact and power. Um, someone on Twitter asked me if uh, for a comp. He's kind of like a smaller Cliff Floyd if we're comping him, body size and tools. But the White Sox, they just love throwing their prospects right into the fire, so it would not surprise me if he is their opening day right fielder. Um, he is the wild card, I would say, for the AL Rookie of the Year. I could see him having a monster year with the bat and jumping a Gunnar Henderson. Mm-hmm. But I think the real question is, how is he going to be defensively, and how is he going to be on the base paths? Because with the projection right now from Streamer, they're giving him a 264 average with 18 bombs and only three stolen bases. It, it, there's a potential that he gets, you know, less than five. I definitely see that. The K, the K percentage I do like. I do not think he strikes out as much as people think he did. It was a small sample size in AAA for his 36% K percentage, but he's a good bat-to-ball skilled prospect, and I... He'd be my, if I were to put money on a rookie of the year winner, he is mine for the AL. Oh, what? Doc, you are the, the best gambling man. What are his odds? Can you uh, look that up let's for see. Us? Oscar Colas, rookie of the year. Yeah, can you look that up for us while we go to our next player here? So Doc's going to look that up. Marty, talk to us about Anthony Volpe of the New York Yankees, who top prospect for them right now and someone that could contribute this year, but might not start out the year right away with the club. And, I think he kind of had a really rough start to the year, but really finished out the year strong. Yeah, I think you, you pretty much nailed it. The 21-year-old, um, I mean, he, he had an amazing 2021. And he completely skyrocketed his value because of that year. Last year, he crushed double-A, um, and then he you know, took a little bit of a step back in triple-A, which is pretty much normal. I mean, you can't be you know, great at every single tier. You know, There will be a little bit of a, a learning adjustment there. Um, and I think, yeah, he'll get called up at some point, whether it's June, July, you know, it's going to depend on whether, um, you know, they're comfortable with DJ LeMayhew, um, mm-hmm. their uh, Praza and everything like that. Looking at his steamer projections. So for Volpe, they, uh, 296 plate appearances. They have him slashing 240, 317, 420, 10 homers, 36 runs, 35 RBI and 11 stolen bases. So they're looking at double digit home runs and double digit stolen bases. Uh, overall, I mean, he's projected as a hit over power type of guy. So he's probably capable of hitting somewhere around you know, 280 um, at some point in his career. I think his, um, I think his, his projections are pretty much on. I may have his batting average going up to about 250. Uh, looking at his ADP, it's about, it's 543. So he's the 31st shortstop off the board. So he's pretty much free, um, at his ADP, but, you know, kind of in that area. I mean, there's people that I like a little bit more than him. Um, Joey Wendell's one of those people who was kind of a fallen star last year on the Marlins. 
Um, his ADP is 570, and he has second base, third base, and shortstop eligibility. And he's going to be batting fifth in the Marlins lineup right off the bat. So I think there's better value at that current ADP, um, around that ADP that Volpe is going. But he always has that helium because he's a Yankee. So he's always going to yep. go a little bit higher than he should. Uh, he's going to be a really – Volpe is going to be a great player, though, when he does come up. For fantasy, I would cool on him for next year. Uh, I think I'm with you on that, Marty. And Joey Ricotta says, Mash Mervis is going to be the impact rookie this year is Vinny Pasquantino. Uh, odds are not available yet for uh, rookie of the year betting. Because I would have thrown some money down right now if you're that confident, Vinny. <laughs> yeah. Vinny calls his shots. That's what's for sure. He's like, this is my take. I'm riding with it. He isn't wishy-washy. That's what I like. I got a quick question. I know we're, we're trying to move, but would you rather have Mervis or Vargas next year? Vargas. Yeah, I'm with Vargas as well. And uh, the ADP, so Matt Mervis, 285, Vargas, 324. Vargy, baby. Give me a Vargy. Yeah. Yeah. Both of them, I think, will get like steam going into spring training. You're going to see that ADP rise with both of them, but I think Vargas will stay at a acceptable ADP. You've heard and of Joey says, play podcast. There we go. Mervis says 19 homers, 54 RBIs, 122 WRC Fest steamer projections, only like 94 games projected. But he thinks he's going to get the opening day job. That's something we'll have to see. Elsie's a little skeptical of that, right? You don't think the opening day is uh, not necessarily what's going to be the case. But we'll see, though. Let's see if the Cubs. I'm sure the Cubs. I think it's most. Yeah, I think most likely he comes up in like a month. I think that's most likely. Okay. We'll see how that plays out. We have to leave some time for this next player. He's my favorite prospect. I've been in love with him. I don't want to say I was in on him early. I'll say I, I was in on him about a year ago when he was like somewhere more in the middle of the top 100. Now he's firmly inside right around the top 20. Andrew Painter is a god. And he is going to be a god when he pitches. Vinny, I, I'm so glad you're talking about him tonight because you need to let the world, if you've never heard of Andrew Painter, you will tonight. Please educate the audience on Andrew Painter. Andrew Painter was a prep pitcher who went 13th overall to the Phillies in the 2021 MLB draft. To think of that now, he is 19 pitching in double A is absolutely absurd. Andrew Painter is a talent. I come to the conclusion where it's hard to, to, to think if uh, Grayson Rodriguez or Andrew Painter is better. They are on the same level, which if you're going to go with age, maybe Painter, you would have higher than him, but I like him a lot. Um, this year, I don't know if we see him this year. That's my question. There's mm-hmm. a lot of rumors coming out of the Phillies camp that he might break camp, but I don't see that from only having five games in double A. No, they have not signed another pitcher yet, and they're looking pretty bare with just Wheeler and Nola. So he could be a four. You might see him come out of the bullpen this year if they really want to press him and not and Im- and limit his innings. But he is just unreal. He is that next superstar-esque pitching prospect that we really don't see very often, and especially a prep pitcher. Oh, yeah. But just uh, he's had a an insane K-9 all through the minors, it, besides double-A, which it was only a five-game sample. Just there's so much to like. He has a four-pitch mix. He is the stereotypical ace of a club. It has been a while, though. My only concern is you really don't see the Phillies develop pitching. Their last developed pitcher was Aaron Nola, and that they drafted him in 2014. But he he is my favorite pitching prospect by far. 
and I'm all in on him. You can paint with me anytime, Vinny. Oh my goodness. It's getting hot in here. Andrew Painter's the real deal, ladies and gentlemen. It, I, again, I, I was not the first on him by any means. I just feel like I was at least a year ago when he wasn't quite this, but he's freaking incredible. If you look at his numbers, they are just insane. And he has not really struggled at any level so far. He's just incredible. There's another player we'll talk about tonight that I was actually able to learn from Michael Richards last year. And he's rising up really fast too. And if you have never heard his name, you're going to learn tonight because he's going to be an impact player too. Uh, before we get there, let's go to the next guy. Let's talk about Drew Waters, LC, of the Kansas City Royals going around pick 553. Do you think he has a chance to impact with the Royals this year? I do. I think he has a pretty good chance. They gave him a long run. They gave him about 110 plate appearances after coming over in a, in a trade where Atlanta was basically giving up on him. They traded him for the 35th pick in the la- in last year's first year player draft, which is, I, I you know, it, it's not very, from what I understand, it's not very common in baseball to trade for draft picks, but uh, they traded Drew, Drew Waters, who was a three time top 100 prospect, five times the top 10 prospect in the Braves system. Um, they traded him for a draft pick, which to me is, is giving up on him. But then you also look at what the Braves had that they didn't really have a spot for him on their roster. So it was a, it was a good, uh, both, both, both sides win deal. I like waters. He's a very good defensive outfielder for one that gives him value inherently on a major league ball club. Uh, and currently roster resource projects him as the starting outfielder. They do have some other options who might be starting outfielders like, Kyle Isbell, they could try, you know, Hunter Dozier out there again. None of, neither of those guys are going to provide the defense that Waters does. So I, I do give Waters kind of an advantage as roster resource does going into next season. Um, now what do you get with Waters? You get, you get speed. He's got sneaky stolen bases and he does have some non-negligible pop. He put out I don't have five. the button ready. I don't have the button ready. I'm sorry, guys. Did I say it? Did I say it? Is that you said this Let's is your word? He called it. My ears perked up. If you had art with over 0.5, so what are you going to get with? <laughs> I wish I didn't take the button away. It took an hour and um, six minutes, but he did it. <laughs> this is what you get. You get sneaky stolen bases and non-negligible pop. He. He has a 111 mile per hour max EV this season, which is pretty darn good and the above average fly ball percentage. So he has to start to convert some of those fly balls to more home runs, but there's some power in that bat if he could find it. 100% chancey, I think we see him this season. And at 553, I think he's a fantastic value as far as a deep outfield grab and a draft and hold. I think he's going to be getting plate appearances. I think he's going to be getting more plate appearances in the 322 that Steamer projects. And you think Kyle Isbell won't be a factor in his way? I think Kyle Isbell is going to be who he's fighting for that position, honestly. I think it's between those two. Um, and, and it could be either one, honestly. I like Waters because of the tools he possesses a little bit, uh, his, his, his tools a little bit better because that defense and he does have some pop. All right. Marty Party, let's talk about, we have three players left to get through. Spencer Steer of the Cincinnati Reds, ADP of 582, and he's expected to get 
some more playing time. He did get a cup of coffee last year with the Cincinnati Reds, and he's got a lot of tools there, but are those tools going to help your fantasy team in 2023? I don't think so. I mean, he did come over from the um, uh, the, the Twins moved him um, for the Tyler Molly deal, so he came over late. He's, he's going to start the uh, year on the bench. So he's a solid to average infielder. He can play second. He can play third. So Mike Moustakis, when they eventually give up on him or he gets hurt, you know, he may be able to fill in there. Uh, Kevin Newman's their second baseman, another person he could, uh, you know, possibly supersede. Um, he's, he can play shortstop, but that's more in a pinch. Um, you don't want, he won't be taking every day, um, you know, have an everyday role there. So his arm can play anywhere. So it's a possibility he works his way, you know, into the team. Um, but looking at his, uh, looking at his projections, 431 plate appearances. They have him slashing 241, 317, 432, 17 home runs. So that's something that has to stand out a little bit, uh, especially with how late you're getting him. I and mean, he is beyond free. You know, if you're in a best ball league, he could be a good, um, uh, a good pick there at the end. 51 runs, 53 RBIs and three stolen bases. I believe overall his, his home runs are too high, even though he's in that ballpark. And when you look at his ADP compared to other, uh, other people around him, Joey Wendell is going to be there, uh, forever aging Josh Donaldson and, um, Jamer Candelario. So a little, um, plug on the, um, the fantasy baseball beat. You know, they just had the Washington Nationals, uh, beat writer on there, Jesse Doherty. And he said, as of now, Candelario is going to be their everyday third baseman. So if you're in a best ball league, um, in your, in your draft, then I'd rather go with the guy who's going to have guaranteed at bats. Um, so I would look to other people in that area, but with those projections, he does stand out. Yeah, he could be somebody that I could see him being the, the type of players that has an amazing week and people are spending fab on him, especially if you're short on, on, you know, yeah. that position that he's just that, that top pickup that week. I don't see him being a guy that's super popular in drafts at this point. And obviously you could tell that with his ADP, but, um, we'll see what you can expect from him next year. This guy, though, Sal Freilich of the Milwaukee Brewers, I saw our guy Vinny compare him to a young Stephen Kwan and somebody that if those type of skills can definitely translate for fantasy this year. Yes, Freilich was my favorite guy coming out of the 2021 draft. He fell just because of his his size. I hate how people knock prospects for his size for their size. Like we've seen it work before with, you know, Dustin Pedroia, you know, Jacoby Ellsbury. Like we need to stop doing that. But Freelick this year and last year, it was just putting up video game numbers in minor league baseball. He never had uh, a K percentage under, you know, 20. He averaged, you know, 300 at all levels. Just there's so much to like about him. He's big contact and big speed. I do think he has sneakier pop than it they give it off to be. I do think he's one of those guys that could work up into like the teens if, in power, but he's just an unreal bat. He just keeps on put. He'll just put the ball in play. Like you very rarely see him strike out or make mistakes. The baseball IQ is unreal. The most interesting thing I want to see is his uh where they put him because he could play second base and he can play outfield. So he has two spot eligibility. There's a, they, he could break camp and play either one of those positions this year. Like that's how good the talent is. And a little preview I gave earlier. This is the guy I think could rival Corbin Carroll for rookie of the year for the NL. Like there is, uh, there is the potential. If he shows power, 
it's going to be coming down to the wire between those two because they have oh, similar similar speed. I do give Carol the advantage on the the contact ability, but it's unreal. He is, yeah. I, I, I'm leaving drafts this year and stashing him because there's a lot to like. So, do you think there's any chance, Vinny, that he breaks camp with the team, or do you think he's somebody that you look at later on, like to pick up as the season progresses, if you have a small bench? Before this week, I would have said no, he wasn't breaking camp. But then they went and traded a Sturry Ruiz, mm-hmm. which I think was their opening a spot for South Relic because there's no. Putting him down in AAA is not helping him at all. He's already destroyed it. He's ready for the bigs. Joey Weimer's not going to battle him for a spot as much as people would love Joey Weimer to come up, but it's the South Relic show. He is going to help them a lot. And you, ladies and gentlemen, someone that could be starting for the Milwaukee Brewers, he is going at pick 594. Leave drafts with him. He may help you win this year. All right, that's a nice golden nugget for you guys that have been sticking around past the hour mark here of the show. We are getting to our last guy of the night and someone that fits the last guy very well here, Kyle Harrison of the San Francisco Giants. If my favorite, right now my favorite pitching prospects are Andrew Painter. Kyle Harrison is number two and Taj Bradley, who's not on today's show, he's number three for me. But Kyle Harrison, I'm going to ask you guys, Marty Party, Kyle Harrison in 2021 in A-ball, guess what his K per nine was? K per nine. I don't even know where to start. I don't know. Just yeah. give me a number. Uh, 13. 14.3. Doc, Ooh. 2022 in high A-ball, give me a number. What do you think his K per nine was? 15.6. 18.3. And that's in seven games he pitched. 29 innings. 98 innings in 2021. LC, 2022 in AA, because he advanced to AA in 84 innings. Give me his K per nine. What do you think it was? I'm going to go down to 14 again. 13.6. So this is somebody Ah. 14.3, 18.3, 13.6. These are his K K per nine across A, high A, and AA. Each level he's been at a 319 ERA or lower. And uh, in double A, a 311 ERA with 84 innings pitched. He's someone that not just did his fastball develop from going to the low 90s, where it had like he had really good control and sink and command on it, but now his fastball touches 98 and he throws it up in the zone. It also has a lot of arm side run and just gets hitters swinging and missing consistently. He has a, a slider that he's been working on that's been developing really well. And he also throws the pitch, uh, he throws three quarters. Um, so basically it also gives an extra chance to get a lot of action on his throws. He is somebody that is just an absolute stone cold stud for the San Francisco Giants. He is in double A, finished the year in double A. I don't know. I could see it being like an Andrew Painter situation. Like Vinny was saying, maybe I don't know if he breaks camp with the team, but maybe towards the end of the year, he gets some time for this team. If I had to guess, uh, but he is insane. And I am just in love with everything about his profile. He just, his pitches, his command, and the team that he's on, which is always does really well with pitching. So I got to tell you guys, Kyle Harrison in Dynasty Leagues, obviously he's already picked up, but why not stash him if you have a deep bench and you're in a league where you need statistics like K's? He goes at ADP 592 right now. I could see a situation where if the Giants, I know they just signed Sean Manaya and they just signed, um, 
Um, goodness gracious, I can't remember. Ross Stripling. So obviously he's not, of course, going to start the year for the team. But this is somebody that I could very well see at some point getting a chance to pitch for them. And his future is incredibly bright. So Kyle Harrison, if you want to take a dart throw of a chance of somebody that could produce the season later on, why not him, right? Let me ask you, David, with those those numbers, how how many pitches was he throwing per game or how many innings was he going? Is, does he? I'm getting to, is he projected as a relief guy? Well, right now they have his 2023 projection is only 55 innings. Um, but he's a starter. He's okay. he's only 20 years old. And last year, uh, 2020 when he pitched 98.2 innings. And then last year he pitched 113 innings. So you expect that number to go up this year, maybe, you know, gets closer to like 130, 140 innings. So, yeah, I mean, he's, again, I ask me probably bigger chance of next year being somebody that's really going to contribute. But I feel like it's like a, and Vinny, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like it's almost like an Andrew Painter type of thing where it's like chances are probably next year, but maybe at the end of this year, he's somebody that can really just be a shot in the arm for your team. I don't know. We have seen this before with the Giants, though. We saw the um, we, he could have a very similar situation that they pulled with Logan Webb a couple of years mm-hmm. ago. Like we could see him come up mid, you know, June or July and just absolutely show out for the second half. But he is, you know, arguably one of those top pitching prospects in baseball. Nice three pitch mix. I don't see that much uh, bullpen risk with him. He is a glorified starter. Ace, I don't know if he's on that ace level, but he's a good solid 2-3. He's one of those hidden gems. He was a late third-round pick in the 2020 COVID draft, and he's just absolutely been phenomenal since. Just, And they love him, too. They yeah. are in love with Kyle Harrison over there. Shout out to Michael Richards, who I didn't know who he was until like the second episode of The Call-Up, which is now like feels like a year ago. And he brought him up on the show, and I've been obsessed with him ever since. So uh, a great reason to listen to the call-up is we're bringing up guys like that early on. And then as they get more well-known, they shoot up through the prospect rankings. Guys like Vinny and Mike are on these guys early. So that way you can be behind them and kind of be ahead of the pack in terms of before everybody else is caught up with them. Uh, just a couple of things, though. Hardware Prospector says Freelick. Everybody's in on that. Joey loves the Quan comp. And then he's asking your thoughts on Garrett Mitchell, or do you see... Uh, we didn't mention him tonight. Vinny, what do you think about Garrett Mitchell? He's interesting, because I think he might actually be one of their starters this year. Um, it'll be... If not, he might hold back Freelick, but I think Freelick will then be a second baseman just to come up. But no matter what, he's... Both of them are going to play because, you know, Christian Yelich will probably get hurt in you know, the second or third week of the season. <laughs> right. Or a bet below 125. So if we're talking just future, you know, just outcomes and stuff, I like both of them really, really this year. They could definitely help your team. And you can get them fairly late. Yeah, they have Mitchell uh, batting seventh right now as the starting uh, center fielder and then hopping over to his um, steamer projection. So they have him for 11 home runs, 13 stolen bases with a 243 average. That's quite a thing there. Well, Guys, we did it. We talked about, if you include Garrett Mitchell, we talked about 22 rookies tonight. That is a lot in about an hour and 20 minutes. So 
If you guys are enjoying content like this, please make sure you guys subscribe to the YouTube channel because we do this every single Tuesday or Wednesday night. And please make sure you guys like the video, share it with your friends. There's a lot of information. Guys like Vinny bring it and bring it heavy and hard. So make sure you guys follow Vinny on Twitter at Down on the Farm 8. And Vinny, where else can they find you on social media, videos, anything that you're doing right now? Uh, you can find me on the call up every Tuesday. Um, my Discord, the link is in my bio. Um, I've started an Instagram. I'm starting to post more on there. You can find me on there. And I'm, I'm trying to start a TikTok. So I'm trying to, <laughs> trying to spread the prospect, you know, the, the prospect to everyone. He is, I mean, I get, I get to work with him every single week. I can't underscore you guys, like tell you guys how much, how knowledgeable Vinny is and just how much hard work he's putting in behind the scenes to bring tons of great information to you guys every single week, whether it be on this show or on the call up. So if you guys aren't following Vinny at down on the farm eight or just in his discord and following all his work, you got to change that immediately. Uh, this is someone that's going to help you stay ahead of the game in terms of prospects. So make sure you're following him and Vinny. Thanks so much for coming on the show tonight, man. It's a blast doing shows with you. It's no problem. I'm always free. If you ever need some baseball or some prospect knowledge, love it. Well, for Vinny, for Elsie, for Doc, for Marty Party, I'm D. Mendy. We're going to make like a bread truck and we're going to haul these buns. Catch you guys next week.